I thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts, and Lord, talk to us with your word in Jesus' name, amen. If you want to grab your Bibles or your, or your version, uh, go to Acts 17, 26, and if you want to put a marker at Matthew 6, 33, we'll get there towards the end. But I want to start off by saying that you were made for mission, that God's at work in the world and he wants you to be a part of what he's doing. He wants to activate or put you in operation to what he's doing in the earth. How many want to be a part of that? The Bible says that it's both shared and it's also specific. To me, there's two ways when we think about missions. One, we think about ministry. And where it's shared is everybody has a ministry in their church to where we share the responsibility in carrying out the operation of the church. Are you all with me on that? So we, in our life mission, there's a ministry side in it, and it's more to believers. It's more in participating in church life and the operations of the church, and we're sharing the, the responsibility kind of like a family shares a household. But then there's also in our life mission, there's also a mission to where mission actually means from the Greek, and it's a Latin word which means to be sent. So mission is like you're being sent out by God as a missionary to wherever you live, wherever you work, and whatever your neighborhood is. So it's shared in that we're working together to accomplish something as a church, but then it's specific that you are on a mission for God and that you're activated to go out and reach people that are, everybody say, unbelievers. So ministry is to believers, you might say, and then and then our mission is how we're being sent to unbelievers. So it's shared and specific. And some scriptures on, on this, on your specific or your unique mission. I love this. It says that you were created for a mission. That God has created us in Ephesians 2.10 for a life of good deeds, which he already prepared for us to do. Cindy, that blows my mind when I think about how God already had that prepared for us. E even some of you that have a baby, like we got a couple of moms that have babies, God already has something prepared for your future son or daughter to do in his mission. And it says you were formed. Here it is again. I, before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, look at this. I set you apart for a special work. Is there any time, are there times that the enemy comes and tells you that you're not special, that you don't amount to anything? God says you're special, and he says that I set you apart for a special work that only you can do. And then the third thing, it says that you were saved or you were called to a mission. And the scripture says that it is he who saved us and chose us. I was thinking about when I was seeing this scripture, I was thinking about the boy or the girl, and that was me maybe when I was a little kid. How, how many didn't like being picked in P.E. because you were always the last one to get picked? Well, look here. God chose you. You're picked by God, and he chose you, and he says, you're a good player, and I need you. Can somebody give him praise today? You're a good player, and I need you for what I'm getting ready to do. So listen, listen. You are not, you are, no matter what science, some scientists say, you are not a random accident or haphazard evolutionary process. The Bible says, I love this scripture. Man, you got to love this scripture with me. It's Acts 17, 26 is where I asked you to go to. It says, from one man, he made every nation. 
From one man, this is powerful, he made every nation of the human race to inhabit the entire earth. God had this figured out to, in, to inhabit this whole thing. Determining their set times. If you look that up in the Greek, it means the exact time, the exact moment. And listen to this. And he fixed the limit of places where you would live. Now, some of you that's feeling like you're supposed to move to Florida, you're missing it. You're, you're missing that. <laughs> because he set a place for you. Up here in the winter tundra of this God-forbidden, oh, excuse me, excuse me. But he set you in a special place. Come on, this is a special place. This is a special place. Some people say, do you, uh, how, how do you like where you're at in life and where you live? And I said, this is my favorite church, but my worst place that I ever lived in my whole life. Just kidding. Uh, really not. I loved Wyoming. Go on. Okay, but here's what this scripture says. God has an exact time. God has an exact moment. God has an exact place. It's not by some evolutionary process or, or haphazardness. God put you here for such a time as this and for such a place for this. Your neighbors are on purpose. The place that you're working is on purpose. The, the places that you go, I believe it's on purpose. It's not like fate where we don't have an ability to choose. God's omniscient in his creation, and he knows all things, and he sees the future in detail. He sees that, and we're given choice. But he foresaw the very moment in time and space that he created you. He fashioned you, and he fits you, and made you perfect in his, time, in his divine plan. And brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I think that is cool. Can somebody say, God, you're amazing how he does that. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. God has an amazing plan. You're here to help him if you choose. And he doesn't have another plan. How many know that people are his plan to win other people to Christ? Listen to this. This is a powerful scripture. Romans 10. It says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him? To save them unless they believe in him. In other words, God wants everybody to be saved. But how are they going to be saved and call on him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go tell them unless they are being sent? That is why the scripture says how beautiful are the feet of them that bring the gospel of good news. I'm telling you, you are a sight for sore eyes. You are something beautiful that God wants to bring you, and only you can win certain people in this life. I really believe that, that there's a plan that you're the one to do it. Hey, think about those soccer boys when they were in that cave. How many think that was a beautiful sight when that diver showed up? Hmm? How many thought that was a beautiful sight? How about when, those, when that, they had that cave-in uh, down in South America where all those miners were down there? How many think it's a beautiful sight when they saw some food and they saw a, a drill coming in where they could get out of there? How about those dogs that, that, the, that, the, that, the, that the mother died in Chicago and, and people were smelling stink, the neighbors were, and they went in and there's all these animals caged. This one was an animal lover, but she died. How beautiful was it when the firefighters broke through 
and opened up those cages and let those dogs out. That's what you are. You are a beautiful sight to people that are in cages, to people that are, are in bondage, to people that are in fear. I, I'm telling you, you wouldn't believe the prayers that people needed today. You, you know, people, you see Instagram and, and you see everybody's body's face, but something that I think we lose as believers sometimes is we forget what it was like before we had Jesus. And I think sometimes that we can look around and we can see again Instagram and we can see people on Facebook and and I mean those are always the perfect pictures and everybody seems so perfectly happy and oh it's 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 the the lighting's just right and and all this but we can't forget no matter how successful people look no matter how content people look no matter how well put together it seems like people are people are lost and undone and headed for eternal separation unless Jesus is taken to them. And that's why you are a beautiful sight to be on mission to take Jesus to people. Anybody out there say amen today? You know, I think God is raising up a church. I believe this. I, I wrote this down. God is raising up a church, I believe, to be invincible, unstoppable, unconquer unconquerable, an overcoming army that subdues everything under Christ's feet because he, we are his body. I believe that there is a sovereign move of God to activate all that is needed to his army to be and to do what his eternal purposes are. How many want to say yes and amen to that? Lord, here I am. Here I am. You know, I believe it's time. Uh, Stephen Furtick says it like this. I believe that it's time to seize God's vision, to activate your faith, and make your move for God. How many is ready to seize that vision, to seize that hope? Activate your faith. Get out there for the Lord. You know, how important is your life mission? How important really are you? Well, fulfilling your life mission is an essential part of living for God. The Bible gives some reasons, and they're in your insert. Number one, your mission is a continuation of Jesus' mission. You're like, well, what was Jesus' mission? I want you to compare yourself. Our Christ, Christian means to be Christ-like, right? That means we're to try to be like Christ, okay? Christian means to be Christ-like. Here is what Christ was like. And here is what Christ's mission was. And so my challenge to you is, let's try to do what he did. Okay? Let, let's carry on and continue what he did. Well, what was his? His was to seek and save the lost. Will anybody out here carry that on to seek and save the lost? Are you all with me, how, what I'm doing here? His mission was seek and save. So that ought to be our mission. Let's continue that mission. Let's have our head on a spindle where we're looking. We're looking. We're seeing. God will show us who's lost. God will show it. He, he was on that mission. He was here to tell people the truth. He was here to give life in all of its fullness, John 10, 10. Do you know that you can be a life giver to people through, through giving them and sharing faith in Jesus Christ? You can do that too. we got to carry that mission on. He was here to be a light in a dark world. How many say you're in a dark area? How many say you're, where you work, it's tough, it's dark, it's ugly, it's dog-eat-dog, it's kill-or-be-killed, it's, it's a tough environment. God put you there. God put you there to be a light, just like Jesus. we got to continue that. 
And then Jesus said this in Luke 4, 43. He said, I must tell the good news about God's kingdom. This is what I was sent to do. I got to admit to you, that's not as strong in me. I, I don't feel that urgency or that must. But I believe through prayer that we can ask God. You know, something I do as a pastor is I always pray to, to, I always pray to um, help. I always ask God to fill me with love for people and, 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 and fill me and let me see people as he sees them and, and, and hear people like he hears them and all that stuff. Because I don't just naturally possess that. Anybody out there? I don't just naturally possess that. Um, you know how much my wife has to pray to stay in love with me? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, maybe I may not be kidding. <laughs> I'm a case. She's been sent into a dark world to shed some light. Um, but anyway, um, but, um, so, man, we, Jesus was like, this is what I was sent to do. I, I'm trying to, in, in putting this message together, I promise I don't try to just preach things at you. When I preach, I got three fingers back at me. I'm trying hard to do this stuff, too. And we all need reminded of it. But that's what he would. Jesus not only calls us. This is a powerful statement. Every squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. But Jesus not only calls us to come to him, but to go to him. But to go for him. Jesus not only calls us to come to him, but to go for him. We're to continue what he started. And, and, and what is that that he started? Let's simplify it. Bring as many people to Christ as we can. What's mission? Ministry is taking part in the church and the operation of the church and using our gifts and talents because Jesus loved the church and we need everybody helping in the shared mission of the church. But mission, life mission is to the unbeliever and what that is, is that's getting as many people to Christ as we can. So the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says Christ changed us from enemies to friends. So he gave us the task of making friends also. And then that was 18. And then in 5.20, it says that we've been sent to speak for, for Christ. You know, the mission, your mission was so important to Jesus that he said it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts. It was the last thing he said before he left. So when God does that, that's, hey, in all of them, that's only things like the birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. There's only a few things where it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's because Jesus was like, I want you to get this. Well, here's something that he wanted us to get, and that's the Great Commission. So I'll just read one of the Great Commissions. There's five of them, but, the, but one of them is go to the people of all nations and make them disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them everything that I've told you. You know, this is a commission to every follower of Jesus. It's not pastors and hired vocational ministers. It's, it's to all of us. This is your com commission to Jesus. It's not something you can opt out of. It's something that he asks us all to be a part of. These, this is not the great suggestion. It's the great commission he's just not hey i'm suggesting this no he's saying hey i'm commissioning you to do this okay so i, I want you to see that and i want to be careful with this scripture because this scripture used to kind of freak me out but there's a sense of responsibility for 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 the unbelievers who live around you 
Ezekiel 3.18 says this. In other, and again, don't go crazy with this. When I first got this scripture, I thought I was responsible for every Tom, Dick, and Harry that walked down the street. And I, it, it, this scripture almost tormented me. But it is something that I think that we need to be aware of. It says, you must warn people so, so that they may live. If you don't speak out to warn wicked people to stop their evil ways, then they'll die in their sin. Is that on the board? Um, that's Ezekiel 3.18 in the NCV. You must warn people so that they may live. If you don't speak out and warn people in their evil ways, they'll die in their sin. Here's the tough one. It says, but I will hold you responsible. I, I, I'm not even going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. I'm going to just let you guys, let the Holy Spirit speak to you maybe how to. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit up here and say I understand all that. But I do understand that, that we hold something that we definitely need to be sensitive to. And we definitely need, need to warn people. Are you all with me on that? I, how many like it to even see scriptures like this? Everybody always wants the nice scriptures, but how many know we need to know these scriptures too? Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is our, our mission is a wonderful privilege. Uh, Jesus said we have the privilege of urging everyone. It's a privilege. And your, um, your, your mission involves two great privileges. I think this is so cool. Um, in 2 Corinthians 6.1, it says our, our mission's two things. One, it's working with God. It's working with God. And, and it says that we're workers together with him. How many know that God will never leave you hanging? If you get out there and try for God, I'm telling you, he won't leave you hanging. He, he'll help you. He'll give you words to say. Uh, in John 14, I think it's 26, it even says, don't even worry about what you're going to say. I, I'll help you talk. Um, he even told Moses, hey, don't, don't worry about what you want to say. I, I'll help you talk. He, he, the, in another place, he said, that I'll give you speech as the pen of a ready writer. So, so don't let fear keep you from trying to help people because God's working with you. And you know Mark 16, 20. You got to mark that one down. Mark 16, 20 is like one of my favorites because I, I can't imagine trying to be up here preaching. Like, like really, to, to be honest with you, I was saying, no, God, no, no, God, no, about him saying stop the service and pray for people. I was like, God, I but, but, but any, anyway, but when you do something like that and you take that step, you need to know the Lord is going to be there working with you because you just lifted people's faith and like, hey, lifted them up for something. And you should only do things like that when God tells you to. Here's where churches go wrong is they, that that we did, we, we haven't done that for a long time. And some of you would be like, I wish we did that every week. Well, we're going to do that when God says to do it. And I think that's a problem with churches. Is sometimes you'll really see a, a true, genuine move of God. And everybody liked it. And they're like, let's make it happen again next week. And that's where people get fruity, I think. Is they try to make things happy. But let's be coincide. And let's cooperate with God. The Bible says the disciples preach everywhere. The Lord worked through them, confirming or endorsing or ratifying what they said with miraculous signs. And then the second thing is, is, is it's a great privilege to work with God and also we represent God. We're Christ's representatives. 
Um, we're, we're put out there to persuade men to drop their differences and to speak for God. You might even say, I love 2 Corinthians uh, 3.1. I didn't put that in your deals, but to me, we're God's billboards. Do you realize 2 Corinthians 3.1 says that you are the living epistles? Like, back then they was like, Paul wanted to go into a city and they were like, um, hey, send a letter of recommendations and vouch for this guy that he's a good guy. How many knows I do letters of recommendation all the time as pastor. Well, they wanted letters of recommendation. Paul said, I'm not going to send you letters of recommendation. You people are the letter of recommendation. Your lives. And I want to ask you, does your life turn people off to God? Or does it turn people on to God? Does your life influence people towards God or away from God? We're the billboard, man. I'm always like, don't wear that don't put that bumper sticker on your car if you ain't living it. Don't wear that Christian t-shirt, I love Jesus, and you're a horse's you-know-what. Come on, I'm a country boy. Let's, let's, let's be God. Let's represent. Represent means to represent. Let's represent. Hey, let's, put, let, let's, let's present Christ the way he really is. Are you all with me today? Praise God. I love this kind of stuff. Um, the next thing is your, your mission has eternal significance. You know, they've came a, come a long way. Hey, how many of you watched, this just hit, how many of you watched um, America's Got Talent? Anybody watching America's Got Talent? Did that not blow your mind the other day when that blind boy came up? That blind boy came up and he couldn't even speak. He had autism. And then, boom, he hit the piano, and this amazing voice came out, and he played the piano like Beethoven. Wasn't he playing the piano? Yeah. And I'm not a crier, but that kind of, I was wiping him. <laughs> oh, no, no, that, that was amazing. Hey, we've came a long ways in autism discovery. Hey, you remember the 80s when uh, Magic Johnson got AIDS and, and they were like, man, in 2012, we're all, 80% of us going to have AIDS. And we're all, it's, look at the amazing inventions and medicines and stuff on AIDS. How about polio? Yeah, I mean, I mean there, there's been amazing inventions. But what if, what if you held the cure for something and you didn't? use it or give it think about that what if you held the cure for polio oh man i i, I wish they could get further with parkinson how many have seen a, a loved one that gets parkinson and you're like ah oh jeez oh, i would man but think if somebody had it had that cure brothers and sisters we have a cure and we can't keep God's secret of forgiveness, of repentance through faith in Jesus Christ, of eternal life. We can't hold that down. Or anybody out there say amen. What we do has eternal purposes. What you do has eternal purposes. Hey, jobs, achievements, I'm for it. Go get your masters. Excel in your job. We're supposed to use our gifts. We're supposed to use our gifts in this earth. But we're also supposed to use them for God. Man, let's lay it up for something eternal. Um, 
you know, James, William James said this. You might want to write this down. I think it's pretty powerful. It said, the best use of life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. The best use for life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. And that's on your insert where it says that your life has meaning. Your life has meaning. Jesus even said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Hey, some of you, do, do, you know, do you know sometimes the best antidote for sadness or feeling low or like you're lethargic or unmotivated is to go do something for somebody? I, I really believe that. Because Jesus, in, 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 this, in this John thing, this John scripture, he, he hadn't eaten for two or three days. And they were like, hey, you need to eat some food. You need to get something to eat. You need to get something to drink. You, you're tired. And Jesus was tired. He's pretty tired. But um, they went to town to get some stuff. He helped the woman at the well. She went and brought all of her friends. And a whole bunch of people got saved, okay? A whole bunch of people came to Christ. When the disciples came back, Jesus was spun up. It spins him up. You know, there's two things. I never thought of this. You, everybody listen to this. Do, do you know sometimes we hate, hate going to God with stuff? Sometimes I hate going to God with stuff because I think I'm burdening him. Or he's like frustrated with me or I'm wearing him out with all my stupidness. I mean, sometimes I can be stupid. And I'm, I feel like I'm wearing him out and the enemy will tell me, you're wearing God out. You're such a loser. You're Okay. When he does that stuff, do you know it actually spins God up when he gets to serve you? To me, to me, you can't really serve until you've been served. I think we have to be served. Even, man, I'm out there now. This ain't nowhere in my notes. But even Peter, Jesus, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter said, oh, no, you ain't washing my feet, Lord. And you know what the significance is there? Is we can't truly serve until we've been served. And we let Jesus wash our feet. And we let Jesus heal our heart. Whoo, that's good. I wish I'd have thought of that one. That, when, when it says, oh, come to the altar, that's letting Jesus serve you with some joy or take your pain or your guilt, and he's serving you something. Well, when we receive that, then we know what it is, and we want to serve. Powerful. And, but here's the deal. Everybody's like, well, what's in it for me? I wish we didn't have to feed that flesh in people. I wish we could just say, well, you're laying up treasures in heaven. But you know what? There is something in it for you. It makes you feel a whole lot better. It'll spin you up if you start getting your, quit being so self-absorbed and be more Christ-absorbed. It really does give your life meaning. And how many people, how many people, I, I asked my daughter on the way to church because she's a millennial and uh, I'm a Gen Xer, but uh, I said, hey, Caitlin, do millennials even think about afterlife? I mean, do, do they even, she says, yeah, probably not as much as you old folks do. <laughs> but uh, even why my life mission matters, here's the last point. is because God's timetable of history, conclusion is con connected with us completing 
our life mission. You know, even when Jesus was leaving, his disciples were like, when are you coming back? When's, when's everything going to end? And Jesus quickly changed him. He's like, it's not for you to know when the end is. Everybody's like, when's the end? When's the end? Jesus was like, it's not for you to know when the end is. But he said, but you shall receive power once the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the other most. He quickly changed it to when's he coming to you got a mission to do. Anybody out there? In fact, Jesus even said, I think people get too, my goodness, I've been in this thing 30 four years now. You know how many of these goofballs say they know when Jesus is coming? The reason I call them goofballs is because the Bible says this. The Bible says this. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father knows when he's coming back. Oh, he's coming back September the 28th on 1988. I saw all these guys running and getting all this stuff prepared and all Live prepared. Hey, he could come today. Live prepared, but let's quit worrying so much about when it is, and let's start worrying about getting people in. That's what Jesus was saying. Hey, it's easy. What does it take to be in, on mission for God? It's easy. Shift our, our thinking from self-centered to God-centered. Number two. Shift your thinking from immediate values to eternal values. You know, the, uh, there used to be a term when Carmen and I was early in the ministry. It said, you're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. How many remember that? When I grew up in the church, you're too heavenly minded to do any earthly good. Guys, there's been a culture switch to where I think you're too earthly minded to be any heavenly good. I think it's switched in the last 20 years. So we need to be eternally minded. Eternally minded. And then the third thing is we need to shift our thinking from comfort to sacrifice. Be willing to do anything for the Lord. If everybody grab your insert, I'm a pastor that really believes in action. To me, talk's cheap. Hearing a sermon, let's move on it. If you'd grab your insert, in your insert, it says, honestly evaluate. I'm going to, three challenges today while Braden's playing the piano. Honestly evaluate your life towards God's kingdom plan. What is your life investment? What percentage is used for God in his kingdom? C is your current status. And X is your goal. What is your current time that you're giving God? What is your current time that you're giving God? And maybe what would your goal be? What about your talents, your gifts? What is it currently? And what is your goal? Hey, everything on the Sheridan specific, this thing needs to be done in balance because to me, some people serve too much and their families suffer. I've it's rare, trust me, it's rare, but some people serve too much, and they need to back off. You can't do everything. Anybody out there? Some of you need to back off on some things you're doing. 
But some of you need to do more there. So this between you and the Lord. And, and then your treasure is your, your finances. Your, your how can, because bottom line, things take money. Pastor Justin, you're supposed to be on vacation. What are you doing in church today? Huh? But, uh, you know, through the summer, we know people vacation and stuff. That's why online giving's important to the church. Because we got to keep moving. Like, there's a lot of people gone today. Usually people don't make up tithe, and so we just have to do what we got to do through the summer. We really encourage online giving because if you're not here, you can still listen to the podcast. Uh, you can still look at the sermon notes because we are for spending time with the family. Winters are hard around here, but if you would please hold up the, the treasure part because it, you, you know what, I don't, I don't really apologize for saying that because it's just a part of it. Give your life. This life investment is the best investment. And then the number three challenge is God's been laying it on my heart, and I did it last week, is I'm asking everybody to do a first this year. To do a first this year. To lead someone to salvation. Has any, don't raise your hands, but have you ever led someone to Jesus Christ? You're on a mission to do that. Let's make a first this year that I'm going to save somebody for Jesus. Let's make a first that I'm going to make a disciple. What that means is you just find somebody that you're maybe a little further in your journey and you're going to help them get where you're at. I'm going to do finance for the first time. I'm going to serve for the first time. I'm going to do a home group. But do a first. I'm going to give you just a moment to look at those three things. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, Jesus Christ left heaven 2,000 years ago and he came down and lived life as a human being so he could be a compassionate savior that understands what you go through in life. And then Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross and he satisfied the wrath and the vengeance of God for sin. And he fulfilled all the law, something that we couldn't do as people. And he died in our place. And then the Bible says that when we believe that Jesus died and we believe that he rose again, it says that if we confess that with our mouth and believe that in our heart, then we can be saved. If you're here today and you've never confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus or believed in your heart for salvation, I want you to pray this right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. And I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. And I accept that today. 
and I accept you in my life, and I ask you to forgive me of all my wrongdoing, and I ask you to come into my heart, and from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I want to make that change. I want to make that move today. I want to make that move to you today, and I accept you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head, head bowed, nobody looking around, if you prayed that today, just look at me and wave your hand. I want to rejoice with you. If you prayed that today, amen. If you prayed that today, amen. Our last thing we're going to do, altar workers, if you'd come forward today, the one that prayed that today, if you would feel to come forward and tell one of these prayer people, altar team, go ahead and come forward today. Um, if you need prayer for anything today, if you need, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, come and tell one of these guys because they'll help you on your next step. Baptismal is July 21st. Am I right on that? July 21st. If you've not been baptized, come and tell one of these guys that you want to be baptized and they'll get your name in. If you need encourage, if you need anything today, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. Let's stand to our feet today. I'm going to dismiss you. You could either come forward for prayer or you can depart to serve and be sent. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap today. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for everybody that's come. We pray that everybody have a super week and be charged and energized today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come forward for prayer. Depart to serve.